Welcome to Stepping Off Now, a podcast about how to live your creative best life. If you're feeling creatively stuck, burned out, or like you're not fulfilling your true creative potential, this podcast is for you. I'm Kendra, a social scientist and writer. I spent decades feeling creatively unfulfilled while I pursued conventional life goals, culminating in severe burnout that took years to recover from. This podcast chronicles my journey in real time as I find my way home to my essential creative self and seek to live my own creative best life. I discuss topics like harnessing the intuitive creative process, using creativity to manage mental health, and sorting through all the external pressures and expectations to figure out what you really want. My hope is that you'll find inspiration and solace here. You are not alone and you are stronger and wiser than you know. You can find out more by visiting my website, KendraPatterson.com. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stepping Off Now podcast. I'm so happy that you're here today. So first and foremost, it finally happened. I was exposed to COVID. This is the first time I have knowingly been exposed, or at least knowingly after the fact. And so I have been quarantining for a few days and taking tests, home tests, and so far I'm negative. So yay for vaccines and boosters, although they're not always as effective as we would like. Uh, The reason I'm mentioning it is because I've kind of been chuckling to myself over the last few days of quote-unquote quarantine because it is almost literally... Exactly how my life would have unfolded anyway over the course of those three days. Uh, The only different thing was that I didn't go to weightlifting, but otherwise, not seeing people for days on end (laughs) in person is what my life looks like anyway. So uh, it's it hasn't been too disruptive. But fingers crossed when I take my test later today that it is also negative. Let's see other updates. So. I finally finished the really difficult chapter in my novel for the character Esme that I've been struggling with for what feels like years now. Uh, It's only been weeks, of course. It's the chapter where everything kind of comes to a head and we sort of kind of figure out what happens to her. And man, is it challenging. And finally, you know, I was struggling with it so much that I got to the point where I was like, I just need to finish this. I just need to get it out. I can go back later and revise it. And one of the things I'm struggling with is it's a chapter that includes a lot of rage on her part and seeking to convey that and its implications. And it's also part of the resolution of her character arc is really, well, just challenging me. But that's why we do this kind of stuff, right? That's why we're creatives because we like to solve these kinds of puzzles. That's essentially what we're doing as creative is solving puzzles or finding solutions is another way of putting that. This week, I came across an amazing video that speaks eloquently to the challenges of being a creative and living the creative life and seeking to do good art. And I recommend watching the whole video. I will put a link to it. It is done by a guy named John Moriello, who is a freelance industrial designer. And also he's a professor of industrial design at the California College of the Arts. 
and a musician. So he he has his hands in a lot of different pots. And he has a YouTube channel, of which this is the only video I've watched so, so far. This video is called Why Society Hates Creative People and What to Do About It. So a pretty provocative title. The video is essentially about how the way that our modern society is set up, and particularly those parts of it that are implicated with capitalism, are antithetical to the way creativity works. Now, this is something that I have maintained from the beginning. You'll remember that about a year ago, I was doing an entrepreneurship course through the Happy Startup School, during which I had the goal of further exploring this opinion I have that entrepreneurship or business is essentially antithetical to creativity. Now, that doesn't mean they can't coexist and work together to some extent, but they are not happy bedfellows. Interestingly enough, this video that I'm telling you about, Why Society Hates Creative People, I came across in the Happy Startup School forums. So thank you, Happy Startup School, for always having interesting stuff <laughs> to explore in in your community forums. The part of the video that really stood out to me, besides every part of the video, was when this guy, John Mariello, talks about what the creative process looks like. And he compares it to trying to do a puzzle that is only one color. So let's say black, that's the color he chooses. So that's the only color in the puzzle. And the puzzle itself has no beginning and no end. And not only that, but some of the key pieces of that puzzle that you need in order to quote unquote complete it, which is not really possible since it has no beginning and no end, but come to a conclusion with the puzzle, you have to find these key pieces that could be anywhere, like up in a tree or down by the beach. I actually had to pause the video when he was talking about this and just sit there for a couple minutes thinking about how true this feels to me, particularly at this moment of my revisions of my novel. It's really easy when you're struggling, going through a period like I have been for months now, to think that you're doing something wrong because we expect and demand a certain amount of clarity when it comes to the way that we work, so our work processes and how we go about achieving goals, which is to say that we expect through the process of achieving goals for things to become increasingly more clear until we feel that we've got a handle on things, we have control of the thing, the issue, the product, and we can thereby finish it. And what this guy is really saying is that in the creative process, that's not how it really works. And if that is what we're expecting and hoping for, we're going to get really upset <laughs> as we continue down the road of trying to create art and trying to finish products. It's important to note that he differentiates between products that you're creating based on a commission that you might get, so for other people, for money, and then art that you're doing primarily for yourself. And everything that I do it is in the latter category. I don't actually make much money. I do have my Patreon tiers, but I don't make much art specifically for consumption or to any kind of design spec or that kind of thing. And those are two different processes of creativity. And much like 
John Moriello, I am of the opinion that true creativity or pure creativity has to be unbounded and open-ended. And that's one of the major reasons that it doesn't work well with capitalism, with business and entrepreneurship, because by design, capitalism is about creating systems that are conducive to the efficient production of replicable goods. And creativity as a process and creative products themselves are not replicable. (laughs) Because when you start replicating them, that's not creative. So like, same thing if you're following a recipe, you're a home cook, which I am, I consider that to be a creative outlet. But it's it's kind of not at the same time, right? Because the true creativity was the person who designed that recipe, and I'm kind of just following it. And those two things are not the same. They're not equally creative, or they're differently creative, if you want to put it that way. The big question is, of course, well, how do you deal with this circumstance where you're working on a puzzle that's only one color of which you don't possess all the pieces that never really has any kind of finish or endpoint and key pieces are missing. How do you psychologically deal with that being what things look like the the majority of the time? And after a number of years of working on my novel, I can say that at least for me, there really is no point where I reach perfect clarity or I would say even greater clarity. I'm not even sure that I would use that term to describe the process of gradually getting to know my characters over time. I I guess I would call it maybe a deeper understanding that I have of my characters and my story, but I never really feel like I have full or even good clarity. And that's because I just don't have full information. Like I don't have full information about most things in life. So when you think about it, creativity, and I often say this, is a mimic of life, or it's an extension of how life actually works anyway. And life itself is creative in nature. So creativity is, it is the way that life works. Just let me put it that way. And we rarely have full information. We rarely have clarity. We have to act within those circumstances. So I think that that's one way that we can come around to not ever really feeling like we have truly got it or have a super clear understanding of what we're trying to get at with our creative work and our projects is to understand that that's just actually what life looks like anyway. And as much as we seek to control to make life more predictable, we just can't. And, and we know this time and time again in life, we're, we're, we're shown right over and over that life is full of surprises. And in fact, many of us wouldn't want it any other way. So that's just kind of putting a positive spin on the challenge of creating art in an environment of incomplete information and understanding. Another thing I think we can do to help us deal with this ambiguity in the creation of art is to actually allow that to be a part of the art that we're making. I often feel in writing my novel that I have to explain everything. I have to justify everything, make it explicable to the nth degree in order for readers to quote unquote get it. This is actually a really damaging assumption, right? Because first of all, readers are intelligent. And unless there are some huge gaps and holes or, or you're 
your art is kind of really avant-garde and obscure, which is totally fine if it is, the readers, the audience, they're going to get it. And they're probably going to get it in a more meaningful way if you don't tell them exactly how they're supposed to understand it by trying to make everything super clear, right? Because one of the beautiful things about consuming a piece of art is that when you do that, it, the, the piece of art isn't just a static thing that you're consuming. You enter into a relationship with that piece of art and to some extent, even the creator, and you're having a conversation. And so the viewer, the consumer is putting something of themselves into that relationship. And then the piece of art becomes this whole new thing in, in its interactions with the consumer, the viewer. And you, you want to leave spaces. You want to have ambiguities where that person can allow their own creative mind to start to, to fill in those spaces. That's a satisfying consumptive experience of art. So that's a second way that you can kind of come around to this whole art is a black puzzle with missing pieces idea that maybe it's okay if some of those pieces remain missing. A third thing that we can do is something that John Moriello himself talks about towards the end of this video. And I really do hope that you take the time to watch the whole thing. And it's just chock full of so many nuggets of wisdom, many of which I've talked about on this podcast throughout the last two years, uh, but of course, in my own way. It's just nice to see this, this kind of thing confirmed by other practicing artists, particularly one who is actually making a living off of their art, which is kind of in a way a type of holy grail for artists. Uh, but what he says at the end of the video is something that I've really hammered on since the beginning of this journey that I've been on, on my blog, on, my, on this podcast, is that ultimately creativity is supposed to feel good. It's supposed to, well, I don't want to use the word supposed to, I, I try to stay away from unequivocal statements like that. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that creativity does feel good. It feels inspiring. It feels life affirming. It is in a way, the fundamental energy of the universe, when you think about it is is creative energy, and the transformation that occurs through the creative process. And this is what ideally, creativity continues to feel like for us as we continue in our practice. It's not always going to, particularly if you are producing work for other people, for consumption and to design. But as John Moriello says at the end of this video, that needs to be the touchstone of your creative life, is always returning to that place of inspiration and excitement over your work. And if you're not feeling that for too long of a time, you run the risk of losing your creative edge because everything's going to feel like a slog and you're going to stop understanding why you're doing this in the first place. And the only way to really reconnect with that creative spark is to continue to do your work and let that spark guide you. So follow that spark when you feel it. Follow it down that rabbit hole. Trying to balance this part of creativity this creativity needs to be what it's going to be and you can't predict or control results with long-term goals we might have for ourselves around the type of creative products we're producing is probably the most challenging aspect. 
of having a creative practice, being a creative and artist. How do you maintain that spark when you're years into working on a project and you kind of just want to have it done, which is what I'm experiencing right now with my novel? I think the answer to this, besides kind of trying to remember why you do creative work in the first place, can actually be found in the metaphor of the black puzzle. And John Moriello alludes to this in that section of the video when he's talking about how the creative process is messy, it's nonlinear, it's unpredictable, it's open-ended. Those things can be a source of discomfort when we're trying to control the process, but they are actually the source of those feelings of excitement and creative inspiration. I often think of this in terms of going on a trip overseas. That's something that I used to do a lot of, especially when I was younger. And it always made me feel so alive when I was living in different countries. Every day was exciting because something new and totally outside the realm of my expectations could happen because I'm, I'm there in a different culture where everything I've been taught and that I've learned about how things work may not apply. Some people find that kind of situation deeply uncomfortable. I can remember uh, one time I had just arrived in Japan to start a new year abroad. This was in college. And one of the people in my cohort, he was there a grand total of like three or four days and he just left. He could not handle it. He wanted nothing to do with it. He got there and went into a total panic, couldn't deal, got on a plane (laughs) and flew back home. He was like, this is not for me. As creatives and artists, we really need to continue to practice embracing that ambiguity and uncertainty and to see it as a, a feature rather than a bug. So not it's not something that we need to try to solve. And that's really important because if we're trying to solve that, if we're trying to get to a place where things are predictable and certain and unambiguous, we're wasting a lot of energy, first and foremost, that we could be putting towards exploring our creative urge, our creative inspiration. But also, we're working against creative energy. So we're actually working to kind of block that energy in a way. That's not to say that we can't, like I said earlier, come to a deeper understanding of the art that we're creating. But perhaps clarity isn't something that we really should be seeking. And I think those two things are different. Clarity implies an ever greater understanding of all the parts and pieces. A deeper understanding implies that we have a greater comprehension of the meaning of what we're creating. So as creatives, as artists, that's what ultimately what we are. We're meaning makers, not really necessarily product makers. That's a really important distinction that I think is worth exploring as you continue on in your creative practice and seek to finish projects. And the only way to really do this is to keep working. And this is, again, something that John Moriello addresses at the end of his video, is that that's really the thing (laughs) that defines you as a working creative, whether or not you're making money, is that you continue to do your art and that you continue to seek joy in it. Doesn't mean you always have to feel that, but that's really what you're seeking in your creative practice, is that spark, that inspiration, that excitement, which 
in my opinion, translates to it's a type of joy. That's what I think joy is. So that's really the focus, not the finished product per se. As I like to to say, the, the art that we actually end up creating and putting out into the world is a byproduct of the creative process. So those are my ideas on how to handle the black puzzle metaphor of what it feels like to be a creative really delving into your art through your creative practice. It is simultaneously and paradoxically the most frustrating and yet most invigorating aspect of creativity. And as I've said before on this podcast, I really feel that a lot of times truth is found in paradox and that that is the essential nature of creativity, that creativity and doing creative work is actually a way for us to interact with the essential, essentially paradoxical nature of our realities and not necessarily make greater sense of that, but create meaning within that context or, or out of those raw materials. This is our work as creatives and artists beyond simply enjoying ourselves, beyond participating in the joy of creativity, of inspiration, of creative practice. It's making meaning for ourselves and possibly others if we choose to put our work out into the world, which is never required. Again, I'm going to put the link to this video in the show notes, and hopefully you will find it as inspiring as I did. I do think that us creatives and artists are cut from a similar cloth and that There is a feeling when I watch stuff like this video or when I do this podcast, when I get emails from listeners who hear something that particularly resonates, there's this feeling of connection and community. And being a creative, particularly if you are the solitary type, uh, I certainly am, as much as I love being alone (laughs) in my life that resembles in its normal day-to-day habits, uh, basically quarantine, it still can be quite lonely. And knowing that I'm not alone in my experiences, in the way that I view creativity, the conclusions that I've come to about it over the last three years of doing my, my work here on this podcast, on my blog, knowing that these are a common experience for artists and creatives is deeply comforting. And ultimately, that's what I seek to do with this podcast is to provide comfort to all of you out there listening to know that you're not alone and there's understanding and empathy. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Please recommend my podcast to anyone you think may be interested in it or need to hear what I have to say. And if you have a moment, it would be awesome if you could Uh, leave a review, hopefully five-star review (laughs) for my podcast. Of course, if you ever have any questions, comments, and want to join the conversation, feel free to email me. You can contact me through my website, KendraPatterson.com. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you back here next Friday. Bye. Bye.